What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Hey, let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 1, please. So, we've all got, uh, and Sebastian, if you could throw up the, 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 the one picture for today, right? So, my wife sent me this this morning. It was funny for me because that was me last night, eating chocolate. Um, I was at a, a, a party as well. I had about five Cuban sandwiches, and so I am just like, anyway, I went all in, man. Um, but the reality is most of the New Year's resolutions, they just don't work um, because we, we make them wrong. Um, and so today we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But, but here's something that I want to challenge our church with for the, next, for the next month. And it's challenged by choice. You don't have to do it, but I want to encourage you to do it, especially for those in the fast. And it is taking five psalms every day and praying those psalms to God, and then taking a chapter in the book of Proverbs, okay, and you just read that, highlighting, man, what verse is speaking to you with what you're dealing with that, that way, and so if you do five um, in one day, and you do a book of, of uh, chapter of Proverbs for the month, you're going to read Psalms and you're going to read Proverbs. Why is that important? Because sometimes we have tendencies, and, and everybody here is probably on the, 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 the Proverbs side or the Psalm side. Well, what do you mean by that, Chris? S- Proverbs is wisdom. It's wisdom. And a lot of us think out of our mindset. We don't want to be emotional. We're very thoughtful and, and very measured and very in our movement. And hey, listen, that's how God's created you. And you like that, right? Psalms, though, Psalms is you getting in touch with your feelings. And really, more importantly, the feelings of God. Like we are human beings, God feels, God moves, God weeps, God grieves, God cries, and he is an emotional God. And some of us just want to stay in Proverbs and live a stoic life and be all cerebral all the time. And I want to challenge you to get into Psalms. But here's the deal, when you get into Psalms, some of us are way into Psalms all the time. Where it's feelings, nothing more than feelings, and you feel everything. And really, here's the deal. What you feel, it's important, it's real, but what's more important is how does God feel? And how are you going to know what God feels if you don't know his word? And so I want to challenge you to begin to pray the book of Psalms. Read with the Holy Spirit the book of Proverbs, where you're asking, God speak, God speak, grant me wisdom, but help me to pray the book of Psalms. Now, I want to model that for you real quick so you can see what I'm talking about, okay? And so, God, help me not to put it, this isn't a performance, but help me just to model in a way that brings you glory 
Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Father, I pray that you would just keep our church away from the people that they don't need to be hanging with. Especially this year, God. You you have declared in your word not to be unequally yoked. And so, God, I pray for greater revelation that, that in our church that you would help them to become friends of sinners because you are friends of sinners, but you hung around the 12 disciples, Jesus. And so, God, I pray against the philosophies of this world, the philosophies of this age, wicked counsel, whether it be at work, whether it be at school, whether it be in our own church, where there's unbelievers that have their minds set on the things of this world and not on things of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would just keep our church pure and holy and blameless before you and keep us away from the progression that we see here so that we don't walk, stand, and eventually sit with the ungodly. Help us, God. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so, God, I think it's, it's true that everybody in here should be cut to the heart right now. For who among us meditates day and night on your word? And so, God, we just ask for forgiveness, and, and we ask, God, that, and, and we trust, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, I pray for a revival to break forth in our church, in our congregation, that these, these people, your people, your bride, would begin to meditate on your word, God, that it would have its rightful place. So a man thinketh, so is he. For you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. The precious promises. And, 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 and the one that I already quoted in John 6.63. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh, it profits nothing. Give us a love for your word, God. Give us a love for your breath. May we hold it in high esteem because when that happens, verse 3, we become like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season. Our leaves don't wither and everything we do, we prosper. And God, I just, I just pray for expectation to arise that we are going to prosper in your name, Jesus. And help us not to be in the mindset of the world where we define what prospering is by a worldly perspective, but by a godly perspective. And Jesus, you say in John 15, 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And you are appointed to go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. And so, God, I just pray for everyone here in the name of Jesus that they would begin to expect fruit as they walk in your word. Jesus, you are the word that became flesh, and I pray that your word would flesh out in our lives so that we bear the kind of fruit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Teach us how to walk in your fruit, God. Teach us, God. We want to abide in your word. Have mercy. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Father, I pray today, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that they would first and foremost understand how wicked they are, how wicked we all are, as we are rebels who did not want you in our life. We are wicked through and through. And to prove out our wickedness, we look at the cross. How you punished your own son for our great wickedness. Oh, what great love. And I pray for those. Those in our family. Those in our neighborhood. That continue to push you off. To, to, to reject the great sacrifice of the cross, Father, that there would be a fear to know they're, they're not going to stand in judgment because, Jesus, you are the only Savior. And there is only one name on heaven and earth by which a man can be saved, and that name is Jesus. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. And so, God, I pray, God, for those that continue to walk in wickedness and reject Yeshua and the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, that there would be a fear and a reverence and a repentance, God. In Jesus' name. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, I thank you that you know our way. You know our way. You are always with us, never to leave us or forsake us. You are with us always, always. And so I thank you, God. We do not have any righteousness apart from your cross. But your word declares, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we thank you for the righteousness that's been given to us, that's been imputed to us because of our faith in Jesus, his cross, his death, and his resurrection. And we thank you, God, that because we are the righteousness of God, that you know our way, you know our way. You are going to keep us on 
the path that you have for us as we lean not on our own understanding, but just acknowledge you, trusting you with all of our heart. You're going to make our path straight because you know our way, you know our way. And so, God, we just welcome you. We welcome you to have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, church, that right there, I don't know how long it took me. Uh, but if you just simply take some Psalms and you just read it, and then you sit in it, you sit in it for a second, and you say, Holy Spirit, speak, pray, burn, and you begin to pray that back to the Lord. Man, you're praying the very will of God when your prayers don't shift too far from the word of God. And you'll see your life drastically change because your mind is set on the things of God. It's the will of God. So anyway, that's a challenge for the church this month. Five Psalms, pray them. Now, if you pray them that slow, by the way, by the time you get to the fifth psalm, that'll be like three hours, okay? But I wanted to just kind of give you an example. And then the Proverbs as well. Just read those. All right. I want you to turn to Matthew six thirty-three. So I want to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. And a lot of people have, just don't make them anymore because they've failed so many times, they've given up. Let me just say, love always hopes, love believes the best, love never fails. And some people don't make them because they think they're dumb. Which, I understand. But I know a lot of you are going to make them, so I want to touch on them a little bit because I, I, I feel like we need to make them in a right way, and they fail because they're not made in a right way. So Matthew 6, and 34, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And you want to highlight seek first. Eugene Peterson, in the message... He says, make the kingdom of God your number one priority. So on your to-do list, is the kingdom your number one priority? Is that the main thing in your life? Okay, God, how can I bring the kingdom? How can your rule and your reign come at my work and my home in the church? How can that happen in our county, God? How can your kingdom rule come on earth as it is in heaven? That's my number one priority his righteousness. God is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. So you're going to be righteous, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What's that in context? Everything above. Food, clothing. You don't need to worry about anything. Don't be anxious is listed like five times in this text here. Don't worry, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. How many of us waste time and we're anxious? Listen, living in the kingdom, this might be a resolution for someone. To live in the kingdom of God means you don't ever have to worry anymore. When you are worrying, you're not living in the kingdom. 
doesn't mean you're saved. You're just not living in the reality that the king is here and he's never going to leave me or forsake me. So to live in the kingdom of God means I do not worry anymore. I'm not anxious anymore. Wow. How about making that your resolution? See, because that, enti- that, that uh, wraps up a lot of things, right? Well, how am I going to do this? And when am I going to be that? And when am I going to that? And when will I know it's the right one? Hello, singles. Thirty-four. Therefore, what's that? Therefore, your dad's going to take care of you. This is kingdom living. That my dad, my dad, he's in control. Don't be anxious. And this is Jesus talking about what tomorrow. That's why I don't like New Year's resolutions because a lot of them are focused on what tomorrow. And when we focus too much on tomorrow, we could be in very much danger of disobeying this passage here. Sufficient for for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So listen, without plans, people will fail. And it, without vision, people perish. So vision and, and plans, this is a good thing. I'm not discounting it. But listen, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing is not to be in tomorrow, but stay in today. 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 God, what are my priorities today? What do you want today? And not only just today, but Christianity is lived moment by moment. Moment by moment. In this abiding relationship with Christ. And so some of us, we don't stay in the day, in the now. And we can get so focused on the future, the future, the future, that we miss what's right in front of us today. I want you to turn to James 4, please. We're going to be going to a lot of different passages because... I want to drive home this point. Hey, make goals and plans and resolutions all you want. But listen, stay in today. Stay in today. Tomorrow has enough trouble. Stay in today. James 4.13. James 4.13, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade, and we're going to make profit. And yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Wow. Now we get the verse, hey, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. To know what to do and you don't do it, that is sin. This boasting is arrogance. 
So if you're taking note, listen, make your goals, stay in today, but do not do it out of pride. Don't be arrogant in what you are going to do. Be very, very humble with it. So people sometimes with their, their goals and their plans, they hold it really, really tight like this. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going. And that's very, very dangerous. We need to hold it like this. Because the last time I checked, Proverbs says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he can turn it whichever way he wants. God is God. And a lot of times, his vision and his plans and his dreams are counter to ours. In fact, I would say the majority of times. Because, let's turn to Isaiah 55, please. Hold the vision, hold the passions, hold the things very loosely, for you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Make resolutions in humility. Stay in the day. Stay in the day. Tomorrow's got enough things. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stay in the day. Stay in the moment. Isaiah 55. Here's why the majority of resolutions don't work. It's because we're not making them with God. Why don't we make them with God? Here's why. Isaiah 55, 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Like when I was preparing this message for today, I've already been convicted multiple times, and I've had to repent. And we'll get into some of my repentance later, okay? But guys, you, you can't even dream on God's level. How, how, listen, verse 9. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, how high is that? Modern science has no idea. We do not know. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So here's a, another question for you. And when I, when I make plans, when I make resolutions, when I'm, when I'm making a pathway, am I expecting God? Am I expecting God? By the way, that question that was put on my heart as I was meditating on Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, is often I don't expect God. And when I don't expect God, I'm doing things in my own strength. 
I'm trying to figure it out on my own. I'm scheming. I'm, I'm striving. I'm trying to do this or that in my own power because my ways, they're not his ways. My thoughts, they're not his thoughts. It's all perspective. I'll never forget a time I was running late to an appointment, and I'm going down 95, and there's this huge crash, and I'm just upset. I'm mad because not only am I late, I'm going to be more late. And so I get off the off-ramp, and when I get off the off-ramp, all of a sudden I see, man, the wreck was right under the ramp. So I just went straight across and kept going. So I went in a matter of 30 seconds, stressed, anxious, upset, mad, to then coming up to a higher perspective and seeing clearly, hallelujah, praise the Lord, let me put on worship. God, you moved. I hope nobody got injured, but anyway. See, that's how we, we think. And we're not on God's level. And we're not seeing from God's perspective. We're not seeing things from God's perspective. We're so stuck in everything down here. Don't make your resolutions, don't make your plans stuck in everything down here. Begin to expect God, to expect God to show up. No, mind can comprehend. No, eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him. For those who love him. I love him. You love him. Man, are we expecting God to move? Are you expecting God to move in your marriage? God, if you could just change my spouse. And God's like, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm trying to change you. I'm not looking around, by the way. You're the one I'm after. A lot of times we think we're going to go do ministry and we don't realize we're the ones that need the ministry. Don't expect God. Big Rob's here. Rob, raise your hand, Rob. Now, we showed his video before in church, and so we know that Rob, he did some, he did some time, okay? But he's forgiven. And when he got out, my heart was to bless him. Hey, Rob, man, do you want to go on a cruise? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go here? Do you want to, you know, how, how, how can I bless you? Here's what Rob said to me. He said, Chris, Pastor Chris, I just want you to baptize me. So far off for what God was doing in this man's life. I was so carnal in my thinking. I was so worldly in my, right? I just want you to baptize me. Man, what a rebuke. What a beautiful thing, though. And so I want to challenge you, church. 
Are you having this mindset where you expect God? Are you expecting God? Without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. And some of us get caught up in the planning and the planning and the resolutions. Listen, Peter was fishing. This is a word for some, somebody today that wants to go fishing, but your wife's not letting you. He didn't have a five-year plan. He was fishing, and Jesus comes and says, come follow me, and he took off with him. There's no plan for that. Joseph was asleep, and God gave him dreams. He gave him dreams, but you know what? And this is why. Look at the plan, though. The dream was that his family would bow down to him. But then he was sold as a slave by his own brothers. And then as a slave, he was lied about where they attacked his character for something that he did not do. And he was unfairly treated and put in prison and left for dead. Your life's over, Joseph. But you know what's interesting? After every bad thing that happened, when you read that story, it says the hand of the Lord was with Joseph. And it got worse and worse and worse. And the hand of the Lord. Some, some of you, it's been tough. And listen, it's going to get tougher because God's breaking you. He has to ruin your life. <laughs> One of the hardest things I've had to deal with was I got attacked viciously, viciously by people that I love on, on Facebook. My character was maligned. I was called names. My whole 20 years of trying to just die to myself and serve and love and lay my life down like all of that just completely blasted, name brought through the mud. And it was all lies. And here's what got exposed. I started responding. Oh, you think this? Well, I did this, and 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 that pain was real, and I had to go into inner healing, and I had to receive prayer. I had to say, pray for me because I am wounded, I am hurt, and in my response, in my response, I was responding to things that I had done. When you respond to things that you have done, you are operating out of pride. I love Lecrae's song. If you ever see me doing something good, giving food to some, somebody to eat, it's really God working through me because I'm not that sweet. Bars. Copied them. What, what can I do I spilled coffee on my shirt today, by the way. It was the Miami Dolphins shirt, and I'm like, come on, guys, we've got to do it today. But I spilled coffee, and I went into my 
and this was my shirt that, that, that sits in my chair because it reminds me, this is a really, really old shirt that I got at KA, you know. <laughs> the verse on the back, John 3, 3, he must increase and I must what? Decrease. There's a reason for that order. I can't decrease because I want to decrease. No, no, no. He has to increase, and as he increases, by default, I decreased. Christ, I want you and you alone to rule and reign in me so that I get smaller and smaller and smaller. Listen, is your resolutions all about you and what you're going to do? And they're probably not God's resolutions for you. He wants to break you so that you come to the end of yourself. You know why? Because he said, unless a seed dies, it's not going to what? Bear fruit. I haven't prayed this prayer in a while, but I want to encourage you. It's a good one. God, help me to fail and fail and fail so that if I ever succeed, I'll be completely sure it was you and not me. What if, what if 2023 is a year of failure for you? Where you end up like Job, putting your face in the dirt. By the way, welcome to Bow Down if it's your first time guest here. And seriously, bow down. You guys know, I do encourage once in a while, right? But we, we want to be real here. We don't want to be fake. And some of you need more failure before God can really begin to, to, to do what he wants to do in your life. But he's a good father. He's a good father in that. David's anointed king. But then it was over 15 years of him being on a run, having his boss throw spears at him, not once, but twice, living in caves, being hunted like an animal, maligned with with his character, everything, right? And then he eventually became king after 15 years of pain. Moses, man, he was trained and raised in the best leadership the world had to offer in Egypt. And he was confident in, in, in his leadership skills and ability. And then he looked left and he looked right and he killed the Egyptian. But you know what? He never looked up. He looked left and right. And when the world trains you, you look left and right. You looked at your gifts and your talents, not his. And what God had to do was bring him out to the wilderness where he could go and die. So that. You're now ready to lead my people because you're completely convinced you can't do it. I want you to turn to Genesis 15, please. If I write a book on this, how to do New Year's resolutions, it's not going to sell, guys. What was Abraham's plan? God shows up, 
says, go to this place, I'll show you. Well, wait a minute, hold on. What place? What? When? When? What? Leave your family? Oh, what? And here we are in Genesis 15, and God is about to make a covenant with Abraham. Now, here's some encouragement for some of you. Let's start at verse 12. It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Genesis 15, 12. He was asleep. Where are all my snooze button people at? Can I get a witness? Sometimes the most faith-filled thing to do is to take a nap. Can I get a witness? You know, God has to do some of his greatest work with us while we're asleep. (laughs) Because we get in the way, guys. We're not on his level in his thoughts and his plans and his dreams. And so sometimes the greatest step of faith you can take is to go to bed. You look at the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, Adam was wanting a side piece. And what did God do? He put him to sleep. And when he woke up, whoa, whoa, man, whoa, man. That's the original Hebrew. (laughs) Whoa, man. Psalm 16, 7, it says this, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, my heart also instructs me. Do you know, do you know when you sleep, God is still instructing your heart? He made this covenant with Abraham while he was sleeping. And part of that covenant was Jesus. Part of that covenant was you and me because we've been grafted in. And Abraham was sleeping. He's the father of our faith. Joseph, Christmas story, right? When he had to leave town in Matthew, what did, he, what did he say? Joseph was just asleep, and an angel showed up and said, hey, you better leave because Herod's going to kill all these babies. And then Joseph was asleep when he was in Egypt, and God said back, in a dream, in a dream, okay, now take your family and go back. Two times, Joseph was asleep, God moved and rescued baby Jesus. Where was Joseph's resolutions? The night before he went to bed, he was going to do this, this, and this in Egypt. And God said, no, nope, you're going to go to Nazareth. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So you are always Sabbathing. Because of the Lord of the Sabbath is in you. So be at rest, be at peace. Your dad has everything taken care of. Everything. Therefore, do not be anxious. When you read 6, Matthew 6, 30, 32, somewhere in there it says, the pagans are worried about these things. 
people that don't know God worry about these things, but not you, not my children, not my kids. My father has it all. I don't need to worry. Jesus said this, he says, my father is always working. So when you go to sleep tonight, or you feel like this is a word for me, I'm taking a nap this afternoon. God is always working. Because Jesus said, my father is always working. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed with work, and I have to stop, I have to repent, and I have to say, wait a minute, dad, I'm going to go to bed right now because you are always working. In fact, this problem of mine is really not mine because all, everything I have, it belongs to you. So it is your problem. Somebody steals your car. God, somebody stole your car. Verse 13, Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that's not theirs. And will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. God was telling Abraham for 400 years, his ancestors would be slaves in Egypt. Oh, is that in your resolution? As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, 400 years, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What does that last line mean? It means this. The Amorites, these people were evil. They were vile. They would burn and kill babies and sacrifice them. Child sacrifice, just, just horrific people, evil people. And God was, who is slow to anger, abounding in love, was letting them continue to do evil because someday it's going to reach its peak and you're going to wipe them out because they will not repent of their evil deeds. That's what's going to happen with this world one day. People will not repent. They will not. We read the book of Revelation, all these things. They would not repent of their evil deeds. And so God, he has purposes and plans. Not only... Was he going to punish the wicked? But he's also doing something with the offspring of Abraham that he's thinking generationally. So listen, resolution people, if you're still doing them, I'm trying to get everybody not to do them, actually. No, you can do them. That's cool. It's cool. Just do them in God. God is the God of generations. So does your resolution think through the generation? Is it, is it in, does it entail the generations? This, this isn't about you right now. So much of our modern Christianity is about me and, and my purpose and my plans and my this and my that and fulfilling this. And listen, when that is, if that could die today, I wish it could in all of our lives. Because this thing isn't about you. It's not about me. It's about his glory. The chief end of man is the glory of God. 
to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. This is what we're made for. To be in love with him, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. Well, how do we get to our neighbor as ourselves? It means that I think about my neighbor more than I think about myself. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 3:8. So here's another question. Are these resolutions, are they biblical kingdom resolutions? Do they are they are they generational? Are they generational? Now, I told you a few weeks ago, Jesus come back in, in 2033. So, um, the gener- I'm j- kidding. It's jo- I'm joking with you. But are you thinking generationally? Are you thinking generationally? 1 Thessalonians 3.8. This is the Apostle Paul and his homies. And he's right in the church in Thessalonica. And this is what he says, and this is really, really important, and I want you to highlight. It says, for now we really live if you are standing fast in the Lord. I want you to highlight the word you. The reason why I want you to highlight the word you is because that's the main emphasis in the Greek. For now we really live if you stand fast in the Lord. If you become a disciple, if you become who God's created you to be, my purpose is your purpose. Paul didn't live for himself. He was dead. In fact, when you follow Jesus, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. You no longer follow yourself. You deny you. You don't live for you. You live for those around you. You think generationally. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, a righteous man lives for the next generation. The things that I do today, the things that I'm doing this year is not for me. It's for you. Imagine if we had a church that thought like that. But unfortunately, here's the church, and here's the church world. Let me go visit that church. Let me see if I like the worship. Let me see if I like the preaching. Let me see if they have this for me, if they have that for me. What is a church, a restaurant menu? And when we think like that, instead of, gosh, that guy cannot preach. So, God, what do you want me to do? Join the intercessory prayer team for that guy? Buy him some software? Send them to some classes? We don't even think right because it's always what's in it for me. What's in it for me? And if your resolutions are about that, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ was rich and he became poor so that we might become rich. Jesus never lived for himself. He lived for others. He lived for others. And so are your resolutions wrapped around your life and what you're going to do and this and this and this? How about this? How about a resolution for those around you? How you can love them. How you can serve them. 
how you can come alongside of them and lift them up. See, when mature Christians see weaknesses in others, they don't move away and talk bad about them. They move closer to try to help because that's what Jesus is. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And he sees me and all my faults and all my shortcomings. And he comes closer to me because he loves me. Are those in your resolutions? I remember a time where I was really, really down and depressed and felt like I was failing in ministry because I had just had a situation where somebody I'd poured into for years basically got mad at me and took off. Some other things started happening as well, and I began to question, God, what am I even doing? And as I'm sitting in my tears and feeling like a failure, God spoke to my heart, and he said, Chris, is JJ enough? I don't know if JJ's in here. He's not in here. JJ enough. Chris, what if your whole ministry and everything that I've called you to do was for one life, JJ? Would you be content in that? You see, again, that's pride. That's pride. I want to accomplish all these things for God. I'm going to be a super. What if it's just one person? And Chris, what if it's not for JJ? But what if it's for his kids? What if it's for his kids? And now you think generationally. If it's for his kids? Yeah, JJ went through 516. His wife, Cassie, went through 516. They are disciples. They love Jesus. But they have now kids. Trinity, Ezra, Eli, Ezekiel. How many more E's? Emmanuel. And he's creating the 12 disciples himself. He's got an own tribe. But you begin to think generationally. So, okay, wow, wow, wow. Well, what does JJ need? JJ needs marriage mentors. The church should raise up and say, man, how are we doing premarital counseling? How are we doing consistent counseling? How, what, are, what are we doing when a husband or a wife is not walking in the kingdom? Do we use Matthew 18, 15 through 17, where we go one-on-one? If they don't listen, we bring two, and we use the church body to confront in a loving way spouses so that homes are, are, are healthy and whole, so that JJ's kids rise up. And I'm not speaking against JJ's marriage. I think they have a great marriage. Then also, how hard are we working at Project 516? Because Project 516 is for hopefully all of JJ's kids to someday go through. To raise up a generation for the kingdom of God. Are we thinking generationally? I want you guys to uh, turn to Acts 6, please. Actually, the book of Acts.
Here's my resolution, by the way. Okay? Um, one word, Emmanuel. That's it for me. That's my resolution. I'll break that down another time. Emmanuel means God with us. How can I walk as if God is with me? How can I live? How can I think? How can I respond as if God is with me? Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. That's my resolution. I just got one, Emmanuel. There's a lot that goes into that. Acts, let's start in chapter 2, verse 41. So we look at the early church, and we see God move powerfully. There's a lot of things and a lot of reasons why God's moving powerfully in the early church. We don't have time to get in there, but I want to do a drive-by because I think it's important. I want you to see something that's important. Acts 2.41, I want you to highlight the word added. The gospel's preached. And added 3,000. Added. I want you to go to Acts 2, 46 and 47. Acts 2, 46 and 47. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord, what? Added. He added to their number those who were being saved. I want you to go to Acts 4, 4. Now we're up to 5,000 people. So it went from 3,000 in one day. People were added. Now we're up to 5,000. All right? It's pretty good movement, right? It's pretty good movement. I want you to go to Acts 5, 14. It says, and more than ever, believers were what? Added. So you see this word, added, added, added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. And then I want you to go to Acts 6, please. So Acts 5.14, and then, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Acts 6.7, Acts 6.7, it says this, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied. So, in the first five chapters of Acts, you see addition, addition, addition. But then in Acts 6, what do you see? Multiplication. The question is why. Why all of a sudden do things start multiplying out versus adding? Because there was order in the church. There was order in the church. Look at 6.1, please. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So, listen, racism was in the early church. Racism has always been. It always will be until people begin to walk with a biblical mindset. Okay? Verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. Now, here's a question. How did they know there was a full number? How did they know there was a full number? That's because people didn't just, you know, they weren't church hopping. They were known somehow, some way. So we're going to take attendance right now. Just kidding. (laughs) 
They were members. They said, hey, this is my church. This is where I belong. I'm known here. People know me. And there was a full number. There was a full number, meaning it is not right, they said, that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So we need people to serve. Give up the word of God. Give up preaching the word of God. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. So good character, good character, full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? It looks like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's what it looks like to be somebody who's filled with the Spirit. It's not talking in another language. That's easy. That's a gift. It's the fruit. It's the fruit. It's the fruit. And of wisdom. I'll never forget a financial class my wife and I went to. The guy teaching it didn't have a job. When we left, we were cracking up because it's like, you got to be kidding me, bro. Anyway, and here's the deal. I didn't get offended by that, and we were able to get out of debt in five years, and he got a job. (laughs) That was his prayer request. I was like, what in the world? What kind of class is this? Anyway, verse 4, and again, if, if it's not there in your Bible, please put it there. Just put PC, please, PC, Pastor Chris, PC. This is my verse. This is my job description. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Acts 6-4. And and you can, hey, church, listen, hold me accountable. Hey, Chris, how's Acts 6-4 coming? It doesn't matter how I'm doing. Listen, I'm going to heaven when I die. Chris, how you doing with 6-4? Because that's what the Lord has called you to do. How you doing with Emmanuel? How you doing with your time, Chris? Oh, I'm out of time. Verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen and a bunch of other people. The apostles, they prayed, they laid their hands on him. Verse 6. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied. Multiplied greatly. And so, church, we need you. John F. Kennedy said, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And we have a country right now. If you give me free college, I will vote for you. And we've completely lost our minds. We've lost our minds. But the church, listen, it's not what the church can do for you, but it's what you can do for the church. And listen, you claim to follow Jesus. Jesus said this, I will build my what? Church. So Jesus is building his church. He's building his church. That's what he's doing. What are you doing, saint? Guys, I don't know about you, but man, I want multiplication to begin to happen. 
I want people to walk in their giftings and their callings. I want marriages to be whole and well. I want to see our young people come up in the fullness of God who God has created them to be, understanding their identity so they can walk in their destiny. That they live generationally. That they just don't live for themselves. Where they say, God first, other second, I'm third. I'm third. This thing ain't about me. It's about you. That we raise up a church like that. Cancer is when a body part focuses on itself. And it begins to take. That's not good. The body's supposed to function in a way where the parts of your body serve the other parts. And so, if Bow Down Church is your home, there are a number of ways that you can serve. And I'd like to send you those ways if you would just email, not me, just get in touch with Cheryl at bowdownchurch.com. We want to plug you in so that people can get in their rightful place and begin to do what God has called them to do. There is a lot of things, guys, that God wants to do and wants to accomplish in and through us. But we can't live for ourselves. We've got to live for him. And we've got to have hearts that say, man, I want to make the bride beautiful. So I hope you didn't give up on your New Year's resolutions. I pray you would do them in a right way. But the church of Jesus Christ should be in your resolution. If it's not, no judgment. But Christ is focused on his bride and he's building his bride. And so I want you to pray about that. So worship team, come on up. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you that you are here. You are with us. You are Emmanuel. But I pray if there's someone today that just doesn't, doesn't know you or haven't, hasn't, has not surrendered their life to you, Jesus, that today would be that day. That they would say, you know what, I'm no longer going to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to completely give my life to you, Jesus. God, I pray for your bride. I pray for the church. Even this this Friday night. We have people gathering here this Friday night for Recovery Church. They're going to be on this grounds, in this room. People that are struggling with, with addictions, struggling with life, God. And I pray, Father, I pray, God, that you would just raise up your church, God, to gather around. That your church would just stop living for herself, but would live for you, Jesus. That we'd put others first.
Bring glory and honor to your name. Not to us, not to us, but to your name, God. Be the glory. We say Happy New Year to you, Lord. This is your year. This is your day. We are your children. Be glorified in our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.